No Catch Up Chicago. What's up, my people? You are listening to No Catch Up Chicago. We focus on Chicago news first and everything else second. Weekly, the No Catch Up Chicago gang talks Chicago sports, culture, and avoids cornballs by any means necessary. It's done for Chicago and by Chicago. Listen up. What's really good, my people? Welcome into No Catch Up Chicago for Chicago by Chicago. I am your host, Sean Little. This is another episode of A Little Rant. The Bulls have had one of the most interesting 10-day stretches I can remember in a while between the trade for Otto Porter, the guard packs presser, Lori Markinen hooping, us being the most efficient offense in the league for a stretch. Nothing but interesting stuff from the Bulls, period. I'm going to talk about that. The Cubs season is right around the corner. The weather, the snow, all that shit that's going on outside doesn't really say that, but it's around the corner. Theo Epstein addressed the media about uh, our owner or one of the family members of the Ricketts. We already know what happened there. We're going to touch on that. He also touched on Addison Russell. Talked about the future of the Cubs. We're going to talk about Theo Epstein. To give a little sneak peek of what I'm going to talk about. I have some thoughts on Ricketts and Addy still being a part and around the organization. But Theo handled it like a pro. We're going to talk about that. And close the show. We're going to close the little rant with. NBA talk, of course. It's All-Star Weekend, Charlotte 2019. We're going to talk about the dunk contest. We're going to talk about the three-point contest, how we felt about the draft, how all that stuff goes. The NBA is the best. I say it every time I get a chance. You are listening to A Little Rant with your host, Sean Little. No catch-up Chicago for Chicago by Chicago. Listen up. No catch-up, Chicago. The Chicago Bulls. Even when it's bad, it's good. That's that's how I think of the Bulls now. Even when it's bad, it's good. What an interesting week. Between us leading the league for five games in a row on offensive efficiency, we were the highest-rated offensive team for a five-game stretch. We traded for Otto Porter. A lot of different split opinions on that. I'm going to get into that where I stand there. Lori Markinen is playing out of his mind. We're going to talk about that. The guard Pax presser. Paxson jumping on 670 to score and going crazy. Those are always interesting. Guard Pax and those guys never get up enough in front of everybody and answer questions. So every time they get up there, people bombard them and it's great. And it makes for great TV, great radio. However you took in the content, it makes for very interesting talking points for the Bulls. It's just been an interesting, interesting week. Even when it's bad, it's good. (laughs) That's how I like to think about it. But I want to talk about, let's talk about some hoops and then we'll get into auto and we'll get into guard packs. Monday night, Bulls lose to the Bucks, 112-99. Kept it close throughout the game. But obviously just couldn't hang with the Milwaukee Bucks. One of the best teams in the league, bar bar none. I think they may come out of the East. We'll see. It'll be their first opportunity to kind of get to the playoffs and and compete in a seven-game series with Philly, Boston, etc., Toronto. But they have a chance, no doubt. 
before we get into Laurie Levine, who was hooping on Monday night, I really want to talk about Giannis Antetokounmpo real quick. Because that's going to kind of lead me into Laurie Markkinen. Giannis on Monday night, 29 points. He had a ridiculous amount of rebounds. He had like 17 boards. He had 29 and 17 boards. 18 points per 18. He's leading the league 18 points per game in the paint. He scored 29 points against the Bulls on 13 shots. This guy's out of his mind. He legit cannot be stopped, especially when he's going to the basket. If you throw in him hitting free throws and a couple jumpers, it's an automatic 35-piece nugget, period. 35 and 15, and he's playing D every night, period. If he's hitting a couple, if he's hitting his free throws and hitting a jump shot. The reason this brings me into Laurie is because I was listening to Giannis talk. I don't remember exactly where I heard it, but he talked about game one of the season. I think he had like 28 points or something. And after the game, he sat down and he was thinking, he's like, man, I could do this every night. We know Giannis, we knew Giannis was going to get better coming into the year. We knew the Bucs were going to be solid, but of course, you don't, as a human being, and Giannis, he thought he'd be better, but it took that first game to kind of kick in and be like, wow, I could really do this every night. I can go to the basket, Euro step, body somebody, give somebody a little body, and flush, and go get easy buckets every night. He scored 29 points on 13 shots. That's about as efficient as it gets. After game one of the season, in his mind, he's like, man, I could do this every night, bro. Can't nobody stop me. Pure point blank. I'm getting to the basket when I want. I'm working on my jumper. It's getting better. I could do this every night. That brings me to Lori Markinen because I think that's kind of where Lori Markinen is right now. If you read Nuggets from my notebook from my boy Darnell Mayberry of The Athletic, he talked about he talked to Lori after the game. And Laurie mentioned, like, I think the question Mar- uh, Mayberry asked him was, essentially, what's gotten into you? Markinen's response was, I thought I was being aggressive before, but I guess I wasn't being aggressive enough. Now he's asking to guard Giannis. I know Giannis went, went in for 29, and he was 9 of 13 from the floor. But Markinen's growing up right in front of our eyes, we talked about this earlier in the year on No Catch Up Chicago in the studio. Me and Nick brought up how he's at kind of a disadvantage with no offensive coaching, the structure he's in. People were talking about marketing hasn't come as far as people want him to in his second year, this, that, and the third. Right now during this stretch, Lori Markin is showing you who he's going to be. I want you to listen to this audio of Boylan and Markkinen talking about Giannis and Laurie going up against Giannis. This is Jim Boylan, Laurie Markkinen on Giannis Antetokounmpo. I love the charge that Laurie took on him in the first quarter. I thought that was great. He got in front of him. Giannis on Giannis as he went slamming into Markkinen. You know, when that big dude gets going downhill, man, he's a monster. He's a monster. So... Two good young players. Larry's a winning player, man. He's a good player. Looked through his career and he's improved every year. So that's what I'm looking forward to doing. I know he wasn't at this, at this level like the years before. So 
just got to keep improving. And- Lori talks about he wants to keep improving like Giannis. He just seemed comfortable. If you watch the post-game presser and he was talking about Giannis and guarding him and every question was about Giannis to him, essentially. And he was very comfortable answering like, hey, man, he's one of the best in the league. You know, I had a, I had the opportunity to guard him. I asked Boylem to guard him. And I didn't do that great, but I'm going to do better next time. It's essentially what he said. It's impressive what Laurie's doing right now. He's being aggressive. He's taking shots. Something that he wasn't getting the opportunity to do before. Going back to two weeks ago at Charlotte, Laurie took 13 shots. He was 8 of 13. Then if you go to ver- uh, at home at versus New Orleans, he took 19 shots. Friday at Brooklyn, he took 18 shots. Against the Wizards the other night, he took 17 shots. And he took 21 shots on Monday night. Not his best game. 6 of 21 on Monday night, but then he had 17 boards. And in the last four games I just mentioned, all double-doubles. 10 rebounds, 18 rebounds, 11 rebounds, and then 17 rebounds on Monday. He's like, listen, man, enough is enough. Give me the rock. I'm trying to become the franchise player that people think I can be, and I know I can be. It's my second year. Let me go get buckets. Otto, spread the floor, bro. Levine, give me the rock when you're not putting it up. I love it. He's confident right now. He's hooping. It's the biggest, the biggest key to the rest of this season is development period. I know we want Zion Williamson, ridiculous comeback last night at Louisville. But that's still a pigeonhole. That's still a that's still a pipe dream right now. 14%, like 13.5%, 14% to get that number one pick. Develop what we have right now. Let Laurie go out there and do his thing like he's doing. Zach Levine's going to be here. He's going to have to be a part. So I'm excited to see him doing his thing. Otto Porter has fit in nicely. We got young guys, and then we add a piece here. And I'm going to get into how I feel about the addition of Otto Porter and Garpax. That's all going to come. But I'm just, I just want to drill how, how happy I am that, especially with the slander and stuff that he was getting earlier in the year, Laurie has seemed to come into his own, and he's opening up. He wants to be that piece that we want him to be. So that's exciting stuff. Otto Porter. Bulls trade for Otto Porter. My initial thoughts were, of course we do. During the Garpax presser, he talked about Washington wasn't trying to get out from under the contract. Give me a fucking break. Of course they were. That being said, is Otto Porter a solid player? No doubt. Is he overpaid? Of course. We already know that. Let's get over that part, right? We have the space. We can handle it. Otto Porter Jr. is overpaid. Say no more. That was the the anomaly of summers. All types of people got paid that summer. Ridiculous amounts of money. They're all overpaid. We get it. He's a good addition. He's a solid player. He fits. He can spread the floor, 3 and D. I know everyone's saying that, but it's true. He fits very well with our team. Zach Levine are done running the one. Put him in the corner. Markkanen's doing his thing. He's a very good fit for the Bulls. And it's nice to add a solid player every once in a while. Now, I'm going to kind of start to, to speak out of both sides of my mouth here because what bothers me is 
This is the best the Bulls will do. Adding someone like Otto Porter Jr. at a ridiculous price while guard packs are still at the helm. It's just what it is. Pure point blank. We're never going to get a marquee guy. They're never going to come here. I know Paxson doesn't like that, and he asked for proof. If you listen to the 670, the score, he asked uh, for proof on the narrative that no one wants to come here, no one wants to come to Chicago. It's just facts, bro. People around the league talk about that, and it's known that no one wants to come here because the people at the helm make huge mistakes. They don't treat people the way they should be treated, and there's no reason to come here. The whole big market thing, L.A., New York, Chicago, it only works if you have other players here that can play. The days of anyone coming to a big market just because it's a big market like Melo did with no other pieces around him, that shit's dead. And I know Melo got traded, but he re-signed there as well. Those days are over with. You better have some pieces and a clear plan on what we're going to do. And the clear plan cannot be we're going to draft really good, hopefully, and get a really good uh, and get a high draft pick and then we'll, we'll surround people. That, that can't be the answer. The days of people just coming because it's Chicago or L.A. or New York, shit's over with, in my opinion. Kyrie and KD are only going to the Knicks together. Kyrie's not just going to leave Boston and sign with the Knicks just to sign with them. That's just that's not how it's going to happen. Him and KD are going to have a conversation like, yo, my guy, let's slide to New York together and try to make this shit happen. So, do I like the addition of Otto Porter? Yeah, he's a solid player. He fits what we're trying to do. He's a good wing player. What bothers me is that's the best we're going to do with guard packs at the helm. I had a little back and forth on Twitter the other day with my guy. He's been on the show before. Big Chicago Bulls fan, season ticket holder, Seamus. This is what he tweeted out. Modern Bulls fan equals avoid going to games and supporting our budding all-stars to stick it to guard packs. This is my response. And that that tweet fired me up. I'm not going to lie. He says he has a lot of wild ass takes, but that one really fired me up. And this is my response. I said, correct, because we want more for the franchise than to be a 41-win team every year. You clowns will buy season tickets just like Reinsdorf wants you to, regardless of what happens. You Bulls fans are suckers and the problem. That's exactly how I feel. That explains it to a T. The best we're going to do with Gar Packs at the helm is signed Zach Levine for 20 per. Otto Porter, relieve Washington from that contract. Give up a second round pick as well. Pay him the 25 per. I believe it's like 25 or 26 per. He's due like 56, 70 million dollars. 50, 55 or 56, 57 million dollars total on his deal still. But that's the best we're going to do. We are literally as a franchise sitting back praying that we lock in Zion Williamson with the number one pick. And then hopefully we have some leverage to get someone to come here as well. We are staring 
40 wins in the face next year. 35 wins in the face next year, no doubt. Because Lori's going to be good. Otto's a solid player. Levine's going to be good. Wendell get back from injury. He'll be solid. We'll add another piece. We'll add a little bit more to the bench. And we'll be that mediocre Bulls team that we're that 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 will be in the exact place you don't want to be in the league. That's what I'm afraid of. That's why I'm upset about the Garpax thing and the and the Otto Porter thing. Is Otto a good player? No doubt. Is that the best we're gonna do with Garpax at the helm? Yes. That's why it makes me mad. That's why it's frustrating. Watching the Garpax presser and then listening to Paxson on six seventy. They're just, I just don't trust what they're saying. When you look at these dudes and they're talking, you're like, I don't, I don't really believe these. I don't really believe you. You ever be in a toxic relationship with someone and they're telling you a story or they're talking to you about some shit and you're just like, this is some bullshit. And I'm going to deal with it for a little bit because I like you. It's early in the relationship, whatever. But after years and years and years of this shit, every time they get up in front of the camera, I'm like, I don't believe anything you're saying. In the presser, Paxson talks about, we're confident we'll get there again because we've done it before. Talking about getting people in the draft and building through the draft. We hit a Hail Mary to get D-Rose. We hit a Hail Mary times five. That'll that'll never happen again. Knicks got Hewing. The Bulls got D-Rose. It's just not supposed to happen, and we got blessed with that situation. If we're waiting to get a perennial star like Zion Williamson seems to be just sitting back and hoping hoping we get the pick in the draft, especially with the new tank rules, it's just it's tough to swallow that that's the that that's the path that it sounds like we're going on. We've gotten to the point where Paxson and Gar have completely just punted on trying to go get a big-name free agent because they know for a fact they're not coming here. At one point, Paxson was asked, so what's the deal with trying to get a big-time free agent? He was like, and then and then it kind of went into a conversation where like, people don't want to come to Chicago, and Paxson was like, how do they know if they don't want to come if we can't even get in front of them? That's the problem. We can't even get in front of these guys. We can't even get a meeting. That's part of the problem. Paxson was saying, oh, this is all bullshit. This is all rumors. People don't know if they don't like the the Bulls front office and how I do things. If they won't meet with us, that's the problem. They won't even take a meeting with you. They won't sit down with you. On that huge summer when LeBron and those guys were free agents, we settled for Boozer because what else were we going to do? We overpaid Boozer. We had no other choice. We had the last of the pickings. We're like, we got to get somebody. We had two max slots, so we we at least got to get somebody. We'll get Boozer. We'll, we'll overpay Boozer. It's like we get in these situations where we know this is the best we're going to get, so we better take it. Levine, $80 million, instantly match. No problem. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yep, we'll match that. We can't, we can't let a guy with that talent walk away because there's we don't know if we're ever going to get another opportunity to get a guy like that again. You guys are going to trade Otto Porter? I know you guys You guys need to get out of that, that, that contract, that situation you guys are in. We'll take him. He's a good player. That's the best we're going to do. 
free the Chicago Bulls. We will always be a mediocre franchise with guard packs running the show. I've said it a hundred times and I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna keep preaching that until they are we, we move on from these clowns. Let's talk about something more positive. Perfect way to end the Bulls season. Continue to see Lloyd Markin and do his thing and be more aggressive. Be the guy. We want him to be the guy along with Zach Levine. Be that guy. Have Otto compliment those guys. Real happy to see Boylan just starting to, to give Lloyd that freedom to run the offense through him. Really quick on Jim Boylan. Do I think he's a great coach? I don't. Does he really care? He does, man. If you watch the post-game pressers, he's stressed out, dog. <laughs> he's stressed out, dog. He loves the Chicago Bulls. He loves basketball. So I can't be mad at him for that. Chicagoans love passion, and and he's passionate about it. I can't fault him for the, the situation that he's in. He's I don't think he's an NBA coach, but he cares. And he's going to try to get the guys better the best way he knows how. So I can appreciate that. Lastly, Chris Dunn might be the worst faller in the NBA. He reminds me like the old D-Wade, where every time D-Wade went to the basket, he fell on his back. (laughs) Chris Dunn took a crazy spill on Monday night. Went to the rack. It didn't even seem like he took a lot of contact. He probably needed to take more contact to, to, to keep his balance. But he fell straight on his butt. Like, hands didn't touch the ground. It wasn't like his side. It was all back and butt. And then remember earlier last year, he broke his teeth? Just fell straight on his face off the rim? Yo, terrible faller. We got to <laughs> do something about Chris Dunn, Chris Dunn busting his ass. And one more thing. I always look for something that I could pick out and focus on when it comes to, especially Bulls games because we're trash. So I try to focus on different things and different things I like to check out during games. Tonight, we have the Grizzlies at home. That means Joe Kim's going back. Joe Kim Noah will be back in Chicago. So I'm excited to see that, man. I'm excited to see that dude just play and be back happy. It looks like he's happy. I'm just excited to see him run up and down the United Center floor with that goofy-ass sprint, the super wide arms and the wide legs. (laughs) So I'm excited to see that. Shout out my man Joe Kim. And just how I kind of touched on with Boylan, Chicago can appreciate that passion. And I've said this before. I always say this. The one thing about Joe Kim Noah Zero basketball talent, all heart. No natural game whatsoever. A big body, came in the league, put on a ton of muscle, worked hard, played with passion, rebounded, all that. That's what made him a good player. That's what made him a first-team all-pro. No talent whatsoever. That's the perfect example of hard work beats talent any day. Excited to see Joe Kim back in the United Center. No catch-up, Chicago. Switching over to the Chicago Cubs. Warms my heart to say that. The Cubs are around the corner. Let's get it! Let's get it! 
<laughs> Shout out my boy Jeezy. I'm gonna try to jump. I, I need to. I need to play that as much as possible. I need that in my. I need that ad lib in my life at least once a day. So shout out Jeezy. But yeah, let's get it, man. The Cubs are around the corner officially. Earlier today, it'd been a rumor for a while. Not a rumor, but we knew it was coming. The Cubs announced their launch of Marquee Sports Network. It's a new regional sports network that will provide unprecedented access and exclusive in-depth Cubs content like everyone else is doing. Everyone's doing that. If you're a major player in sports, in college sports as well, you have your own network that is 24-7 about you. And that's what the Cubs are doing here. Starting in 2020, this will be the exclusive television home for the Cubs. Len Casper and gang will still be a part of that. That's still locked in. So that's a big deal. Len is one of my favorites. He's a vanilla dude, but I, I something about him warms my heart. His voice is great. I rock with Len, so I'm glad to see that they're bringing him over. And he's still going to be part of it. It kind of it makes me a little sad that there's something about the Cubs and WGN. I think that's what made the Cubs such a big, big part in one of the country's favorite teams is because they were a nationally televised baseball squad. If you were in Cali, wherever you were at, you could get the Cubs games on Channel 9 or whatever it was in, across the country. But the Cubs and WGN are just tied together for life for me. I remember coming home from school flipping on WGN and watching the Cubs. It was just like a daily thing. I got home, I put my stuff down, I grabbed some grub, and I turned on the Cubs on Channel 9. That was it. Me and my boy Eli were actually just talking about this. Favorite moment, one of my favorite moments, and something that's burned into my memory of watching the Cubs on WGN. Came home from school, put my stuff down, turned it on. And about 30 seconds after I turned the game on, Glenn Allen Hill hit that bomb. The big steroids joint. (laughs) When he hit it across the street in left field and put it on top of the apartment building. Ridiculous. No follow through. Glenn Allen Hill. I remember being little and watching that like, wow. How is that even possible? Well, we know how it's possible now because he was on that, <laughs> yeah, on that on that Barry Bonds, on that needle, but still ridiculous. So that's it's, it's a shame to see that, that part go. The old school graphics, the WGN Sports graphics, all that stuff is going to be new now starting in 2020. So I'm sad to see that part go. But this is where everything is going. Like I mentioned, if you're a big-time marquee brand like the Chicago Cubs are, you need a 24-7 network that's going to play and and give you Cubs content constantly. And it'll be dope to see what they come up with. I'm sure there'll be tons of behind-the-scenes stuff inside the locker room, on road trips. I'm sure they'll do a ton of documentaries about old teams and Ernie Banks and Ron Sano, etc. So that stuff's going to be cool. It's going to be a lot of pre-game stuff that you know just breaking down numbers and post-game stuff but if you're a Cubs fan as hard as the breakup at least for me will be with WGN this will be a cool thing that it'll be a 24-7 network locked in for the Chicago Cubs to give you that hometown feel
that elite access. All that crazy shit Joe Madden's doing behind the scenes with the players. Hopefully we get a peek into that. When it's pajama day, we'll get to see that. When it's 70s day, let me get a documentary. I want to see it. (laughs) So that'll be cool. Marquee Sports Network, full-time in 2020. Now, going into the season, I got a couple things that I'm a little uncomfortable with. We know the deal with Addison Russell. Listen, he's just not a good dude at the end of the day. That's what it comes down to. In a three-year stretch, he has kids with three different ki- three different women. One, we already know, accused him of domestic violence in a very serious manner. He got suspended from the league by the NFL. He's currently on the exempt list until May. Now, I'm all for second chances. I talked about that with Kareem Hunt. If the Bears would have signed Kareem Hunt, people are, are, are given second chances, and I get that, and they some people deserve them, some don't. But it's pretty apparent this dude is not the greatest guy. And if you have kids with three different women, that's personal shit. I get it, but he's not the the type of guy I want on a on a on a to be the 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 shortstop in the face, the infield. You know what I'm saying? Outside of Javi Baez, he's the shortstop. Chris Bryant's at third. Rizzo's at first. I understand that, but the shortstop has a, a special meaning in baseball, and that's essentially the position that he would play on the squad. Now leave it. To Theo Epstein to save the day. These are Theo Epstein's comments on Addison Russell and the situation with him coming back this year. I said at convention, we were like in the top of the second inning with this process. And as we get here this week and start spring training, you know, we're, we're probably still like now we're in the bottom of the second inning. We still have a long way to go. Um, Addison is well aware. He's been given a conditional second chance by this organization that, um, there are a lot of standards we're going to hold him to. He has to continue to put the work in uh, to become um, a better person, um, yeah, better citizen, better teammate, better member of society, uh, better father. And he's, you know, the good news to report at this early juncture is that he has really taken things to heart. Personally, think we're doing the right thing. I understand people who are upset and think we should have just moved on, but I can at least pledge to those people that we're taking this on earnestly, that it's important to us that they're not just words, they're actions, and that I will continue to be transparent with you and with our fans about doing to try to attack this problem of domestic violence and that we will continue to hold Addison to an incredibly high standard or he won't play a regular season game as a Chicago Cub ever again. Hearing Theo come out and say that made me feel a lot better about the situation. Made me feel a lot better about the situation. Domestic violence is domestic violence. The Kareem Hunt situation is a little different to me because it seemed like it's a random chick. Might have been a chick he knew, but they were in a hotel room. Something happened and he did something he should never do and he put his hands on a woman. The Addison Russell situation, that was his wife. They were married. They have kids. It's a little different, in my opinion. You got to be a different type of dude to be beating up the wife of your children. You got to be, that's a different type of domestic abuse. 
they're all bad, but that's a little that's a little higher on the on the level for 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 me in my opinion. Theo, the way he handled that and what he said made me feel a lot better going into it. Like I said, I'm I'm about second chances, and the way Theo broke it down and how serious they are taking the situation made me feel a lot better about it. He's meeting Russell's meeting with a therapist multiple times a week. The Cubs are staying in contact with his ex-wife. They're they're giving domestic violence training to all the employees that'll be done before spring training. He sounds like he's serious about if Addison's not on his shit, he will never wear a Cubs uniform again, period. So that's encouraging. Another thing that's encouraging is every single time Theo gets on the mic and addresses and speaks for the organization, speaks for the city of Chicago, it's smooth. It's not tone deaf. He knows how the people are feeling. He he understands the weight of the situation. He reminds me of like Barack a little bit. He got a little Barack Obama on him when he when he gets in front of the mic and starts talking about serious situations. And when people ask him questions, he always has a silky smooth ass response that is dead on. That's the kind of president you need. Especially when situations like this come up. Now let's talk about the Joe Rickett situation. The emails. The Islamophobia. Outrageous emails. If you haven't read those Ricketts emails, go back and read those. Eye-popping stuff. It's funny, man, because you know that that type of bigotry and, and... Phobia is still around, but just to read the emails and him going back and forth with people and how casual it is, it's crazy. There's no room for that in the world, period. That shit's over with, man. A big-time mogul that owns the Chicago Cubs, his family owns the Chicago Cubs, a diverse city. Like Chicago, that's already segregated. We already deal with that stuff. For him to just be freely talking about that stuff via email is crazy. It's despicable. But once again, Theo Epstein with the silky smooth response that made me feel a lot better. This is Theo Epstein on Jim Ricketts. The views expressed in those emails have no place in our organization, in the sport of baseball, uh, or in society overall, and join him in in condemning um, racism and Islamophobia in all forms. Um, You know, the emails were upsetting to read and and especially upsetting to think that um, some of our fans were sort of put into a position where they had to even consider a connection between their favorite team and some of those types of views. Home run. Bingo. Absolutely no space for that in baseball and in society in general. And if you see the video, his demeanor is very serious. He's locked in on it. He knows how big of a deal that is, and it's something that he needs to address. Theo's like, hey, listen, 
Ask me the hard questions. Ask me about Addison. I'm going to tell you how we're going to deal with it. Ask me about the gym emails. I'm going to tell you how we're going to deal with it and how we feel about it. He even closed it like, and I'm speaking for everyone in the organization. We do not agree with the stuff Addy's doing or the stuff he did in the past moving forward. And us as an organization, we don't agree with the Jim Ricketts emails, period, point blank. I'm speaking for the organization. Said it serious. Let's get this shit out of the way now. Right before spring training, let's address this first presser. Let's get this out of the way. For me, going into the year, those were two big, big things that were kind of like, man, this is such a black eye for the Cubs in the city. I know it's about baseball, but man, essentially, we have a guy on the roster that beats up women. And a guy in the owner's box, that's a bigot. If you peel out, if you peel away all the other shit, that's essentially what it, what's going on. We have a guy in the locker room that beats up women, and the owner that's a bigot. So for Theo to come out and handle it the way he did, I really appreciated that. And it's almost like, hey, we know where we stand. We know they're wrong. Let's move on. This is how we're going to handle it. If Addison can't get on his shit, he's off the team. And we don't agree with what Jim's saying. He owns the team, so I can't get too crazy. <laughs> he owns the squad, so I can't say anything too, too, too OD. But we don't agree with what he said. He apologized, and let's move forward. So between the new TV deal coming in 2020 with Marquee, Theo addressing what's going on with the internal problems with Addison Russell and Jim Ricketts, you Darvish coming back full strength. They said he's full go. He's been thrown off the mound. He's ready. Same squad's coming back, most of them. Cubs baseball's back, baby. It'll be April in no time, and opening day will be here. No catch-up, Chicago. The NBA is the best. <laughs> Period. Between Luka, what's going on with him, this whole LeBron shit in L.A. with Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant cursing out media members, he doesn't care. I mean, the NBA is wild. All the trades, Tobias to Philly, Harrison Barnes to Sacramento. I mean, all types of stuff happens on a daily basis. They just get it. The NBA gets it right. And they also got it right once again with the NBA All-Star Draft. Team LeBron, Team Giannis being televised. I will say this. I would make a little, a couple of tweaks to the draft, the, the, the draft situation and, and how Ernie and TNT went about it. The NBA uh, All-Star Game this weekend, Charlotte 2019. First off, before I get into the draft process and what I'd like to see changed, I've never been to Charlotte, but I got one of my homies, Katie Brunk, is out there, rocks with it, loves Carolina. She, she uh, is in Clemson right now. That's South Carolina, but her family has a crib in North Carolina. She goes up there all the time. Charlotte is, she raves about it, right? I've never been, so I got to get down there. So I'm excited to see, uh, you know, I always check out the behind the scenes, the parties. I like to see all that stuff going on. So we'll see how good of a host Charlotte is. I got to go out there and check out Charlotte in general. Charlotte and Nashville, I've never been to either one. So I got to get out there and check those out. But... I need the NBA All-Star Draft next year to be like pickup, bro. 
Forget about sitting LeBron and Giannis down via satellite talking to Ernie through the screen. I need all the NBA players to be in the locker room. Figure out figure out a way to see who, whoever gets first pick. LeBron can get number one. Giannis, yeah, whoever has more votes gets the first pick. The second dude gets the second pick. But like pickup, the second pick gets two. So LeBron goes, picks his first one, and then Giannis gets the next two picks, and then you go one, one for one after that. But I want it to be live in the locker room, like when the two captains are standing out in front of the line, and you get to pick who you want, and they come stand with you. That's what it needs to be. Make it like a true pickup. I want to see who gets picked last. I want to see people shaking up when they're on the same team. I want to see all that stuff, because that emotion is going to show through. When Giannis picked all the big men, they'd have been like, yeah, bro, we slapping all y'all shit all over the glass. Come this way with it. Right before the game. They're shaking up. Embiid and Giannis shaking up. All that. I need I need it next year to be in the locker room. Pick up basketball style. Yo, you, go, you with me, you with me, you with me, you with me. Like, can you imagine seeing Russell? How he would react to going... To going as late as he did in the draft? Ooh. Ooh. Russell would have had something to say. Russell would have had something to say about that, no doubt. He's he'd be he'd been looking around like, are y'all serious? Y'all taking all these people in front of me? Yeah. You serious? Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Pusha T. So I need that. That's what I need. I need to see the the whole interaction on all that stuff going on. But let's talk about the game. The biggest thing for me, and and last year was a lot better on the defensive end. So the the game has, the quality has gone up a little bit with people playing defense and actually wanting to win the game with with the draft aspect locked in. So, but even that being said, my favorite stuff is the events, always. Ever since I was little, it's been about the dunk contest or the three-point. I, I, I rock with the skill challenge as well because the big men are out there. My boy Jokic is going to be in the in the skills challenge. I hope he wins that. I need to see him on the floor doing his thing, bounce pass, chest pass, all that. But it's always been about the, the Saturday night stuff instead of the Sunday game. The dunk contest got its got its shit back the last couple years with Donovan Mitchell winning last year. They it's got a little mojo back. It was dead for a while. Like 2013, 2014, 2012. That shit was dead. Blake Griffin had a a little spice to it when he was bringing out whips in 2011, but other than that, it was dead. But Donovan Mitchell and those boys last year put on a show. This year, 2019, the dunk contest, Dennis Smith-Schuster, Miles Bridges, Diallo, John Collins. You saw how I left out Diallo's first name. I don't know how to say that shit. (laughs) So I didn't want to play him. But my pick, Dennis Smith Jr., man. He's in a new new squad with the Knicks. And he's one of those dudes where you can appreciate – his bounce 
and the and the athletic ability because he's so small. So for him to go out there, he's going to do some crazy shit off the bounce, and it's going to look ridiculous because he's a littler dude than Miles Bridges. So I got Dennis Smith Jr. on that. Switching over to the three-point contest. First off, I didn't realize there were so many people in this joint, but there's a lot. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's ten people in it. Devin Booker, Seth Curry, Steph Curry, Danny Green, Joe Harris, Buddy Heal, Damian Lillard, Chris Middleton, Dirk Nowinski, Kemba Walker. This is the Mountain Dew three-point contest. I'm excited to watch this, and I'm going to tell you my pick straight away is Dirk Nowinski. Dirk Nowinski been chilling all year. Him and D-Wade got the little honorary addition to the game. He's going to come out there and light the net on fire. Shout out my boy Max Weepking. Used to work for the Dallas Mavericks. And he has this story about Dirk. And if you don't know, Dirk talks big, 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 big shit. I'll shoot your lights out. Can't nobody in here shoot with me. You know what time it is. You know how many GMs have been fired looking for the next Dirk Nowinski, the next Euro, the next Euro sensation. <laughs> like he, he talks like that. So I think he's gonna come out here and his like last little hurrah. He's just gonna shoot lights out. My boy Max has a story where they would come in the gym and Max would feed him rocks on the warm-up. And Dirk, Dirk would tongue in cheek like, "Yo, if you outshoot me in the gym, I'll give you. We can switch. We can switch next. Uh, next checks. I'll give you one of my game checks. You can take Max. Give me your. Give me your other check, and we'll, we'll just switch it like that." They shoot like twenty threes. Max was like, "This dude's always at least seventeen of twenty, minimum. Like it was. That was just what it was. He was twenty of twenty a lot." So I'm going to go with Dirk Nowinski. He's a legend. He's going to sit there, burn it up. There's a lot of shooters in this joint, though. Devin Booker, the defending champion, obviously has got the burner. We know, we already know what Steph Curry can do from three. Joe Harris from the Nets, been cooking. He had like seven or eight threes the other night. Brooklyn's been fun to watch. Buddy Heald's found his stroke. Dame Lillard. I can't really rock with. I don't think Dame will get out of the first round. Just Dame needs like people in his face to hit shots. Him shooting set three pointers is not. That's not his look. He needs. He needs a little more pressure. He needs the day. He needs to be able to to point at the watch and do the Dame time. Same with Kimball Walker. They need tougher shots. They're trying to hit tough buckets. Forget about shooting threes by themselves in the gym with the with, with the timer running down. So I got Dirk in that. And finally, like I mentioned, the Taco Bell Skills Challenge. Mike Connolly, Luka Doncic, look out. De'Aaron Fox, look out. Nikola Jokic, look out. Kyle Kuzma, Jason Tatum, Vucevic, Trey Young. Eh, I'm okay. I'd be shocked if Doncic, De'Aaron Fox, or Jokic don't win this. Jokic is too good of a fa- uh, is, is a ridiculous passer. De'Aaron Fox is too fast. And Luka just is Luka. He can do anything, it seems like. So those are the those are the top three. But I'm gonna go with Jokic just because people get slipped up on the passing stuff. 
he's gonna knock that down. He's gonna be slow and steady, and and, and banging out all the way to the, to the to the skills title. But the NBA is the best, man. To close the years out, to close the year out, excuse me. Tons of storylines. Are the Lakers going to make the playoffs? Are is Boston better without Kyrie? It seems like they could be, but in my opinion, they that it would. And when the playoffs come around, you can freeze all that talk. You're going to need Kyrie if you want to try to win the East. Is Milwaukee the real deal? Boogie Cousins is starting to roll out there in Golden State. I don't even. I don't. Even, I think they've lost one or two games since he came on. Infinite storylines for the rest of the NBA. I can't wait for the rest of the season. I'm excited. I'm excited for All-Star Weekend. I'll be out in L.A. Shout out my boy Ryan Kelly. It's his birthday. So we're going to go out there and enjoy that. Make sure you lock in. NBA All-Star. The Cubs are coming. The Bulls are going to close the year strong. That shit going to get fishy. We'll see how that ends. I'm excited, man. A lot of stuff going on. I appreciate you tuning in to A Little Rant with your host, Sean Little. You know what time it is. No catch up Chicago. For Chicago, by Chicago. Listen up.